This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, April 17th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Following new claims of a rise in anti-Asian violence in the U.S., lawmakers appear less than anxious about the expansion of hate crime laws now simmering in Congress. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. We discuss the problem of gathering data on hate crimes and why that matters. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Hate crimes are usually conceived as crimes that are motivated by a, an aversion or dislike for people's membership in uh, some protected category. Uh, could be race or religion, but other categories are also covered by the various statutes. Now, there are differences in how people define it, though. And it's sometimes objected that uh, crime done by someone uh, who hates their victim. Uh, should count as hate crime, but that's not usually the way the laws are drafted. Okay, so uh, hate crimes as a as a group are we, when we try are trying to nail down whether or not a specific crime was a hate crime. What do police do? Are they looking for magic words? Are they looking for a pattern of conduct that preceded the crime? It is far from a science, and uh, depending on what the crime is and where and by which department it's investigated, you can get very different answers on that. You can certainly take the testimony of the victim, of the sometimes of the perpetrator, uh, or of witnesses, as to whether or not there were slurs, for example. That would be typically the most likely kind of evidence. Uh, but you can also look at the history, if there's a history of relations between the uh, accused person and, and the defendant. And although we, we get into questions of whether a court would accept this as evidence, you might possibly look at unrelated things said or written by the accused perpetrator. Okay. So, uh, Maisie Hirono, a senator from Hawaii, is pushing legislation that would create or strengthen categories of hate crimes after this, what's been described as a spike in hate crimes uh, against Asians in recent months. And I think... It's worth starting out by saying that hate crimes against Asians have long been covered uh, under hate crime laws, uh, which started out with race and nationality, national origin as uh, core categories. And that's true of federal uh, hate crime statutes too. So the federal government has already had statutes on the books addressing anti-Asian hate crimes. The Hirono legislation would, uh, in some ways that are fairly um, technical and in other ways that might possibly be more open-ended, try to intensify uh, the federal scrutiny of this. There would be more reporting, there would be a responsible official in the Justice Department, and there would be set afoot the kinds of institutional concern that would lead to more uh, attention probably for the issue. Data gathering would also be part of it, and data gathering uh, has been one of the key things the federal government does and one of the more controversial things because the data are so far from perfect. Yeah, the feds cannot make localities provide them with data about policing. I've written about just how flawed the federal hate crime database is, and because it relies on the cooperation of local governments 
to, uh, you find that it's all over the map. You have uh, some states reporting virtually no hate crimes. And for example, Massachusetts, a state that probably doesn't have more than the average amount of hate crime and probably has less for various reasons, uh, reporting a great deal of it uh, because it's more uh, uh, committed to making the reports rather than because it has more underlying hate crime. Uh, there's a famous instance from the state of Oregon in which the police department in Eugene, Oregon, where the university is, uh, uh, was reporting uh, nearly half of the hate crime incidents in the state of Oregon. And of course, it was not some upside down situation in which the most famously liberal community in the state had uh, more hate crimes than everyone else almost put together. It was a matter of reporting. And it was, and reporting can differ aside from whether or not the localities report to the feds, two very important ways in which reporting can um, be flawed or at least imperfect. Uh, one is that the victims very often do not make any report. If someone on the street is called a slur, the hate crime databases might indeed be happy to collect that, but the person may not ever go in and tell them about it. So how much of a certain category of encounter Graffiti is another example. Uh, but even some more serious things, uh, some people who are robbed uh, in which a slur might be an incidental part of a store robbery, they don't see that as the core of it. And so they will report it as a robbery, but not necessarily have it written up as a hit crime. So you have very differential reporting. And I'll point out also that this may be one of the legitimate reasons to think that um, Asian American um, victim patterns are perhaps underreported for a couple of reasons. There may be language barriers or reluctance to go to the police, the particular distribution of Asian Americans, which includes, as far as crime goes, uh, it notably includes a lot of uh, shopkeepers in uh, cities. Uh, they may have their own reasons for uh, perhaps uh, wanting to report it one way or another way or not at all. So first there's reporting. Secondly, there's interpretation. And the very same criminal act, let's say graffiti on the wall of a private building, uh, may be interpreted as a hate crime uh, in some localities and not in others, uh, perhaps because the uh, message is somehow ambiguous, perhaps because they simply don't believe that it's a material enough hate crime, uh, or, or perhaps because they're using uh, uh, criteria such as, is anyone likely to be scared by it? You know, is, did this occur in a place where hardly anyone will see it? Different states and localities will resolve issues like that differently. And so you get a lot of graffiti reporting, potentially, from some jurisdictions and none at all from others. But the principle that undergirds hate crimes is that there is something other than the crime itself that is meant to strike fear in the hearts of people who are not the crime victim. Is that about right? That's the idea. And the and you can see its logic, at least in some extreme cases. For example, if there has been um, a um, an ongoing pattern of uh, group attacks, and just to distance it from the American experience, let's talk about a place like Northern Ireland or the Balkans in which different religious or ethnic groups have a history of sometimes violent uh, actions. And then you see someone who did not just uh, commit a mugging, but committed a mugging 
with uh, additional evidence that they were hoping to strike fear. Uh, well, yes, that is a different kind of crime, and it's not entirely unreasonable to think that the law's response might also be different. But having said that, the counter-arguments made by many libertarians are um, that uh, the law should take the actual injury done, uh, the robbery or the break-in or the vandalism, um, as the crime and should protect everyone equally, including equal deterrence of the robbery that does not have the slur or the vandalism that um, has other kinds of uh, obscenity. This may well be something that will advance out of the U.S. Senate. It's noted, NPR notes, that Mitch McConnell, the the uh, Republican leader of the Senate, is married to Elaine Chao, former uh, cabinet secretary in two Republican administrations. Uh, she is ethnically Chinese. And there are a number of reasons why I think Republicans have signaled that they will let this legislation go through. They don't have much to do with limited government principles or concern about federalization of the uh, criminal matters that better belong to state authority. But they do have to do with the fact that this is seen as uh, something where the public wants at least symbolic action. Uh, and it also, in some cases, has to do with the fact that Republicans identify often with Asian Americans. They are uh, both in uh, Senator McConnell's case and in many other cases, there are um, reasons of thinking that perhaps this is theirs is a cause that Republicans can champion in some sense. The, the, it's certainly influenced by the debate over university admissions, in which a lot of Republicans um, saw themselves as the champion of Asian interests uh, in the so far unsuccessful attempt to get elite universities to reconsider uh, their uh, application of, of racial quotas. And so um, we can wish that they brought a toolkit of uh, sheer objective principle to the, the consideration of legislation, large or small. Probably somewhere there uh, in the mix is also the feeling that um, it's wasn't that this bill is not mostly doing uh, things that are all that major, and that there has been a willingness on the part of the Democratic sponsors to listen to uh, uh, a few Republican suggestions for uh, altering. Uh, so the Congress is not working the way it does frequently on hot-button issues in which it's simply treated as a thing to get people riled up rather than to actually uh, achieve legislation. They seem to be willing to make some compromises to push the ball, probably not all that far down the field. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.